Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. But I'm going to speak a word to you from this verse. Bible says, so when David was old and full of days, he made Solomon his son king. What's the big deal about that? Many of us would say. But I want, I want you for a moment to understand 40 years of being a king. I want you to understand that this is not retirement for David because when you look at the book of 1 Chronicles, it's called Chronicles because everything also is very chronological. And I want you to know the whole entire genre of the book of Chronicles is about a kingdom built on the anointing. You see, we have several documents in scripture based around David. We have 1 Samuel, which from the 16th chapter to the 31st chapter is based on the qualifications for exaltation into greatness. It's his testings with Saul and the proving process of destiny that he does not sin in the Saul, in this situation with Saul. He does not retaliate. He does not try to defend himself or build a case against Saul as the king of Israel, but he trusts God. And even to the point where there's no more places of refuge in the land of Israel. In 1 Samuel 27, he takes refuge in the land of the Philistines. And the Philistine king becomes David's advocate. David, who has slain tens of thousands of Philistines, who was public enemy number one, provides a city and gives it to him by the name of Ziglag. I hope you're hearing me. And therefore, after giving him Ziglag and all of the suffering David went through in Ziglag, David later is anointed king finally after all these years. So 1 Samuel qualifies him. 2 Samuel, the whole book is on David. It's about David's kingdom, and it's about his character traits that made his kingdom rise. One of the primary character traits in 2 Samuel is kindness called hesed, acts of hesed. It, the whole narrative begins with David showing kindness to the people of Jabesh Gilead, kindness to Mephibosheth, kindness to his enemies, just continual context of this repetition of kindness. But 1 Chronicles which begins with the genealogies of the tribe of Judah, bases the entire book of 1 Chronicles only on the supernatural secrets of success that come through the anointing. So the text is very particular about what it shares about David. It's not to give us a biography. It's to give us prophetic principles of success. Now, why are you saying that, Dr. Kyle? What does that have to do with this? Because after 1 Chronicles 23, after he surrenders his throne and gives it to his son, Solomon, David does not go into retirement. From 1 Chronicles 23 to 1 Chronicles 29, David emerges in a whole new entire person that you have never seen before. His ministry actually completely shifts and pivots. I'm preaching to someone. That his ministry completely, I'm prophetically prophesying. I'm getting you ready for the word. I'm not just going to prophesy and tell you. I have to get you ready. I have to plow the ground yes, yes. so when I give you the word, you know what I'm speaking of so you can receive it into your spirit. 
I'm preparing you to hear a prophetic word in a moment. I hope you're following me. If you are, say amen. All right, so David is going to do what he always wanted to do. You know, many of us, for many years, are not allowed by the Lord to do what we always wanted to do. The timing wasn't right, or other responsibilities in life prevented us from doing what God, what not what God wanted us to do, from what we wanted to do with our lives, something for the Lord that we wanted to do, that we desired to do, but responsibilities did not allow us to do it. Our state in life did not allow us to do it. But now at the end of David's life, he's free from war. Now at the end of David's life, he's free from, he's not abandoning the administration of the nation of Israel, but he's no longer caught up with it. And what does David want to do more than anything else in his life but to dwell in the presence of God? And so for the last years of his life, the hand of the Spirit of God comes on David. 1 Samuel 28, this is not the prophetic word either, but just I'm just preparing you for what's about to be said to you. 1 Samuel, uh, excuse me, 1 Chronicles 29 I want you to see 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 12. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's actually 1 Chronicles 28, and I need verse, verse 11. We're going to look at verse 11. We're going to look at verse 12. We're going to look at verse 19, and then I'm going to give you a word. Seeing, notice, in this time, if you have read 1 Chronicles, you're going to know in the 24th chapter, he's going to start to reorganize all the Levites. If you look at 1 Chronicles 25, he's going to give them roles and ministries and change the whole Levitical order to be a prophetic order. They're going to be assigned to prophesy on harps. They're going to be assigned to teach. He's going to completely revamp the entire, the entire order of the Levites because now everything in his life is preparing the temple of God that's not built yet. Everything that he laid up in war, I want you to know all of his treasures, everything he took out of his war, I'm prophesying to someone. Everything he took out of the warfare, everything he took out of war, he laid up in a treasure house and he stockpiled it for Solomon to build the temple. Hear the word of the Lord. This is not the mean word either, but here's a word for someone here. All of your warfare that you have been through all of your life has been marked by God and there is a season that through every trial and tribulation you have ever been through in your life that God is going to use it toward the temple of God. God is going to use it toward the kingdom of God. God is going to use it, hallelujah, to build a habitation of heaven on earth for those, hallelujah, Let me just tell you, when you say stockpiled from war, some people don't have the foggiest idea what I'm talking about. When David went to war, he didn't just come back victorious. He came back with spoils of war. Turn to your neighbor and say, when I go to war, I don't just come back with victory. I come back with some stuff from the enemy's camp. I come back with jewels of silver. I come back with jewels of gold. I come back, hallelujah, with riches. David took all of these things out of the nations he conquered and he consecrated the gain to God and stored it up for the temple of God so that every 
every war was dedicated for God's glory. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. But now we are seeing all these things that have been laid up for the temple of God. The desire of his heart was to build it. But Nathan said, you can't build it. There's too much blood on your hands. But guess what God did? You're not going to build it physically. But I put my hand on you to build it spiritually. So the last few years of your life, you're going to design the temple. You are going to re, uh, reorganize the entire priesthood and the Levites and make the temple, hallelujah, what God wants it to be. God, now watch this. Then David gave Solomon his son the pattern of the porch. What does that mean? That pattern means the revelation that God gave him in the spirit. And all the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof. Verse 12. Verse 12. And of the pattern that he had by the what? By the spirit. The spirit of God came upon him and gave him the vision how to make the temple of Solomon. Though he himself did not build it. The spirit of God showed him every area of what was to be done. All the porches, all the steps, all the doors, all the inside, all the holy of holies. I want you to understand something, David. Now hear this. Hear this. David never saw the Holy of Holies. He was a king. David never saw what happened in the second court. He was a king. That was reserved only for the priests. Are you hearing this? I said, he's not a priest. He's, even the Levites who were servants to the priests never saw what was behind the two doors, the two sanctuaries. The sanctuary where the menorah, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense were. No Levite went in there. No king went in there. No, the people of Israel were not allowed in there. Only priests. And the temple, the, the tabernacle or the chamber behind it was the Holy of Holies and only the high priest allowed. But now by the spirit of God, the Lord is showing David everything. God is showing David the design. God is showing David how the ark will be made. God is showing David how the instruments and how these, that the, there will not be one menorah. There will be 10 menorahs. God is showing David everything about it. And notice by the pattern that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and all the chambers round about and the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the dedicated things. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, all this said David, the Lord made me to understand in writing by his hand upon me, even by the works of this pattern. Now, now, now I can prophesy. 2023 is going to be a year where God is going to pour new wine into new wineskins. What you've done for years and years and years and years and years. Some of you, God's going to suddenly shift and put you in something that you never dreamt you'd be in. I hope somebody's hearing this. God is saying, beware that you are not an old wine bottle. Hear the word of the Lord. God is saying, beware that you allow new wine to come into new wineskins. Let me share it with you. Look at the word from Mark. Hallelujah. All of that was to get this. Do you understand? How can you get this of what I'm saying unless you understand how David shifted? Say this with me. There may be a shift 
that is as dramatic as David's shift. God may put you in something that you never dreamt of. God may move you into an area of ministry that you've never been before. God is saying, allow the spirit of God to have his way. Watch this. No man sews a new piece of cloth on an old garment, else the piece that is filled up takes away from the old. And the rent is made worse. Verse 22. And no man puts new wine into old wine bottles because the wine does burst the bottles and the, the, the new wine does burst the bottles and the wine is spilled and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must go into new bottles. Okay, let me explain this process. Let me explain this process. In biblical times, wineskins, this is said wine bottles, this is actually wineskins. Wineskins were made of hide and they would make them, sometimes you can go into some of these stores where, uh, Holy Land stores or stores of, that want to bring back like ancient antiquity and you'll see a little thing on a strap that looks like, that looks like a jug of some sort, but it's actually made out of hide. And um, it's made out of hide and and you can pour water in it. You can pour something in it. You can use it maybe for some, I'm just kind of seeing that. You can use it for hiking or whatever you want to use for it. Okay. In biblical times, they were used for wine. Now, these skins, when they were new, were very pliable. But after years of being used, they became brittle. And I had to kind of investigate years ago when I wanted to really see what this meant because I really don't know much about wine. I have no idea what's the difference between new wine and old wine. I had to kind of look it up. I had to start doing some research because I don't know anything about it. And as I was researching, I found out that Wine, when it's new, has a special activity in it that is like an agency that works like yeast, and it expands. It expands. Like bread, when it rises, new wine expands. Hallelujah. That in itself is so prophetic. Because we need the new wine to be spread abroad. We want a new fresh anointing that's going to break out, don't we? Hallelujah. But if you have an old wineskin and you put new wine in it, as it begins to expand, it bursts the bottle. And the bottle breaks. And the wine is poured out. See, God is telling us he wants us to be so yielded in 2023 that if God says, I want you for a season to do this, or if God says for a season, just let go of what you wanted to do and do what I'm calling you to do. Okay, it was not easy for David to relinquish 40 years of ruling over Israel to his son. His son did not have his personality. Solomon was not like David at all, and he was not the one in birth order to receive the crown. If you read 1 Kings, 1 Kings has a complete different thesis on, on Solomon, how Solomon had a fight for the crown because the brother who was rightfully entitled named Adonijah, the fourth born, rightfully it should have been him. And all of the political persons in Israel, because David was old, backed up Adonijah. And so we have, in the situation with Solomon, we have Joab, who's operating, who used to be David's main military leader, but now operates as the prime minister because of David's age. And Abiathar, who is the religious leader, that everybody knows was with David, even from his youth in the days when he was a fugitive, 
running from Saul so he wouldn't sin against God and speak evil against Saul. So he chose rather to make himself extremely vulnerable by living in the wilderness and hiding from Saul so he wouldn't have to raise his hand against him. Hello. I said, hello. Somebody ought to say, it's worth the test. It's the proving process of destiny. So Solomon was one of the youngest sons of King David. He didn't have a lot of, a lot of, if you will, wisdom. And he didn't have a lot of strength. He was too young and inexperienced. And so David on, before David went to glory, David said, you're going to have to settle some things. Hear the word of the Lord. I'm preaching again. Before you take this crown from the old kingdom, that's got to go before you come into the new kingdom. You're going to have to put some people to death. You're going to have to settle it. I tolerated it, but you're not going to tolerate it because they'll wipe you out. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. Say this with me. There's some things I have to I have to put to death. Some things that God allowed in the past that are not God anymore. That have to that have to be put down. That have to be broken. Some spirits, hallelujah, that have to be broken over my life for me to be able to function as the person God called me to be. David said to him, there's number one person you're going to have to settle an account with. And that is Joab. Joab was his nephew. And Joab was with David since he was young. But Joab did some major things out of protocol that were blatant and brazen that could have destroyed David. The first thing was he was so territorial because when Abner, who was Saul's captain, who sought David for years after Saul was dead, God set it up that Abner would be the one who brings David to be king. The greatest miracle, one of the greatest miracles of the Bible. I'm prophesying to somebody. As I'm speaking, I'm prophesying. I don't know if somebody has an Abner in their life. Someone who sought to destroy you. Someone who sought your death. Someone whose entire life was based upon the fact of finding something where he could hold the case against you. Someone who hunted you day and night. Someone who led armies against you with a false accusation behind you. Abner, the head of Saul's army. I hope somebody's hearing what I'm saying. And when Saul was dead, he only had two descendants left that were eligible for the throne. And God set it up that those descendants actually sabotaged themselves. And so in disgust for Saul's family, Abner turns to David and says, I'm going to make a league with you. Make a peace treaty with me and I will present you to all of Israel. I will bring all the tribes of Israel to know I am calling you king. And do you know that David did? And he said, if you're going to do this, give me back my wife, Michael, who was Saul's daughter because he took Michael away. I'm prophesying to somebody. Somebody has had an Abner in your life. You've had a Saul in your life. You've been falsely accused. Things have happened to you. But God is saying to you, hallelujah, your Abner is going to open the doors for you. Your Abner is going to be the one that's going to come and part the waters for you. Abner's going to be the one to introduce you to your destiny. I'm prophesying to somebody when your way pleases God, nothing is impossible with God. And when he did, 
I'm prophesying to someone. When he did, Joab got so intimidated for no reason. Joab murdered Abner in cold blood. And Amasai, another one. He Abner, Abner um, Joab murdered in cold blood. So in 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 Kings chapter 2, Hambakisika, some of you are getting ready to start a new thing. You're getting ready to start 2023 and you're very determined for destiny. Some of you are getting ready to go into a new phase of your life, a new phase of your anointing, a new phase of what God's called you to do, a new phase, a new thing. And God is saying to you that God is saying, hallelujah, go the, I go the way of all the earth, be strong, hazak, and walk in the ways of God and show yourself, he is saying, a man. This word for man was not a word, Adam, show yourself an ish, show yourself a righteous man. Are you with me? The Bible says, keep the charge of the Lord going down that you may prosper in everywhere you go and every place you turn yourself. Now, beloved saints, the Bible is going to show us, hallelujah, continue on into verse seven. Okay, verse uh, verse five. Moreover, you know what Joab, the son of Zariah, did to me and what he did to the two captains of the hosts of Israel, unto Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he slew, slew and shed blood in of war in the time of peace. And the blood of war was upon his girdle and upon his loins and his shoes and his feet. Now he said, the only way you're going to succeed, Solomon, is you've got to do something about it. You cannot allow him to be in control. When I go, are you hearing this? Put your hands up right now and say every spirit that has come up against me throughout my career that is Joab-like. People I've depended on that are really not for me. Hello, somebody. I said not everybody that's for you is really for you. You've allowed them to be around you and you've tolerated a little bit of betrayal here and a little bit of embarrassment there. But God is saying right now is the time you can no longer tolerate what you put up in the past. Are you with me? Because where you're going, where you're going, where you're going, that Joab spirit cannot be around you. Somebody ought to say amen. That Joab spirit makes you feel like you need them. Makes you feel like they're protecting you. I hope somebody's hearing what I'm saying. That kind of protection nobody needs. Are you hearing me? That's not a protection. That's an infection. Hear the word of the Lord. That's going to destroy you. Somebody ought to say, Lord, in 2023, oh, God, bring down every spirit that's blocking you from being who God has called you to be. 2023, 2023. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm prophesying to somebody here. I got to read it. Holy Ghost is telling me because it's a prophetic word for somebody here. Mm-hmm. Second Samuel 3, verse 39. This is the account when it happened. 
This is the account after the murders took place. This is the effect it had on David. I am weak this day, though anointed. Do you understand what that means? That means the behavior of Joab weakened the anointing. You see, you cannot be around those that are going to drain your strength serving God. You cannot be around those that are, that are taken away from the anointing for some agenda that is not going to profit anything but their own agenda. Hear the word of the Lord. God wants to raise up faithful servants that have no agenda but Jesus. Are you hearing me? I'm weak this day, though anointed king. And these men, the sons of Zariah, are too hard for me. Who were the sons of Zariah? Joab and his brother, his own nephews. You weakened my anointing. How did that happen? What does that mean? How did they weaken his anointing? How can you weaken King David's anointing? Thank you, Jesus. Through going against who he was and making a public, something public that David would never do. He would never have had Abner murdered. Everything he did all of his life was to show the kindness to Saul as an example to Israel. Never would he do such a thing as to murder Abner, the right-hand man of Saul, after Saul is dead. They misrepresented him. Are you hearing me? You better say this with me if you're serious about uh, an anointing that is... Now listen, some of us have had our dependencies in the wrong place. We're depending on man rather than God. You don't need a Joab. You just need Jesus. You don't need a Joab to be your security system. All you need is Jesus. He'll send somebody 10 times better than Joab to strengthen you, to support you, to build you up. Are you hearing me, woman of God? God is saying it tonight. God is saying I'm strengthening you that I might be your rock your pillar and your fortress you are going to know me as a shelter as a faithful friend and father you are going to know that I will take care of every need this year you will depend on me as you have never depended on me before and I shall prove myself faithful to you my beloved daughter Are you hearing this, saints? New wine into new wineskins. David going in a direction he would have never thought for himself. In 2023, just put your hands up right now. For the new wine, Hakoti Saka, Shekere Bokorobo, Mekiri Karabostakala, Mekrobostakala Bashokura. Lord, in the name of Jesus, the new wine for new wineskins. The new wine in the name of Jesus for the new wineskins. The new wine, Father God, for the new wineskins. The new wine, break us out of the old into the new. Break us, let us be yielded. Let us do what you are asking us to do, Jesus. Even if it's something we could never imagine that we would be doing. Let us be faithful to you, Lord, to do whatever you have asked us to do. Whenever you ask us to do it, Lord God, let us 
just lay our own selves aside. Oh, holy Lord, and just do your will. God, because there will be a time that you are going to fulfill the desires of our heart. God is saying new wine is coming into you for 2023. It is a wine of strength to be able to endure and the things that used to. The Lord is saying the things that the enemy used in the past to pull you down and take your strength and break your heart and pull you and tear you in pieces. The Lord says that lion you have conquered. Here's the word. Samson met a lion. He met a lion on his way to do the will of God and the lion roared against him. And the Bible says he took the lion and he rent it as he would a kid. God is saying there has been a lion that has roared against you, that has tried to break your heart, tear you in pieces and bring you down. But God is saying, my beloved daughter, I am strengthening you with the strength of my spirit and it shall no longer bother you. It shall no longer have have control over you for you have conquered the lion. You're so yielded right now. You're so broken before God and so willing to do whatever God wants. You're as if you're prostrate with hands down on the floor before God, asking God for direction and seeking his face. And the Lord is saying, my daughter, fear not. The Lord is telling me in the quiet time, he's saying, I'm going to pray for you. Everyone here is going to pray for you because God's going to release to you drops from heaven. Pukata, 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 pukata. Drops from heaven that are going to strengthen you to stretch and persevere in this place till God releases his word to you. Till God gives you the divine direction that you are asking him for. You are going to persevere in this place of prayer and consecration before God in your spirit till God releases the word that is yours. And God is saying the heavens will break and I will speak to you, my daughter, and lead you in the direction for service to me that you are calling unto me about, saith the Lord. Somebody should praise God. Somebody should praise God. Somebody should shout the victory. Somebody should give God the glory. Oh! One of the words God has given besides this word of the new wineskins. The Lord was speaking to us about the wine. And he said, the best has been saved for last. I said, the best wine has been saved for last. Did you hear me? I said, the best wine has been saved for the last. What does that mean? At the wedding of Cana, when the water was turned to wine, the best wine was at the end. The Lord is saying the finest anointing is in this hour. For some of you in these years that you have labored before God, 
For some of you that have labored, hallelujah, faithfully, God is saying the best wine is for last. God is saying the greatest anointings that you have ever known, the greatest depths of the spirit and heights in the spirit that you have ever known is saved for this hour in 2023. God is saying 2023 is going to be a year that the best was saved for the last. I hope you understand the best of ministry, the best of doors, the best, hallelujah, of the vision, the best, hallelujah, of hope, the best, hallelujah, of your dream, hallelujah, the best of all that you have had before God, the best is saved for last, hallelujah, the best has been saved for last, the best has been saved for this hour, the best has been saved, God, I give you praise right now, that the best has been saved for last, the best has been saved for these hours, the best of your vision, the best of your strength, the best, hallelujah, of your gifts. The best opportunities to serve God have been saved, hallelujah. The best for your children. Reward the best for the last. I hope somebody's hearing this tonight. The best has been saved for the last. The best has been saved for the last. God is saying a new anointing on you, my daughter, that you've never known before. The best has been saved for the last the best has been saved for the last the best has been saved for this last hour the best has been saved you will know me as you've never known me before the finest wine I've saved it for the last hallelujah the finest outpouring the finest revelation, the finest power, the finest vision, the finest purpose, the finest, the best has been saved for the last and somebody ought to give God the praise. what the Lord says about it. Oh, faithful daughter, whom Akisha, it's been just for a time as this, knowing, oh my God, your discernment, you're going to be raised up so quickly into a position you never thought in your life because you've been trained for this your whole life, that God is going to use you in, in areas of discernment and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are so clear. And the Lord is seeing more and more dreams and visions, even as you rest in your Shabbat and as you Shabbat before God. So shall the visions increase in your life as you Shabbat before me, saith the Lord, and rest in my presence, saith the Lord your God. Hallelujah. The best being saved for the last. Let me just explain it. The Lord is saying also it was the best love. Because the best for the last happened in the marriage feast. And the Lord is saying 2023 is going to be a year of the love of Christ and his church, but the love of the church with one another. The best for the last. We're going to know, here's what God said to us prophetically this morning. I'll just share this. Prophetically this morning, God told us that the hour of signs and wonders is going to be so great upon us, but it cannot come unless the church is at the place of love that the early church was. And the Lord is saying, the wine that's being poured out by the anointing is going to be 
so much love that's coming in 2023 for one another like we've never known before. To stand with one another, to love one another, to bear one another's burdens. Are you all with me tonight? Can you shout the victory? Can you shout the victory and shout hallelujah? The Holy Ghost had his own agenda here tonight, not mine. And I just want the Spirit of God to rest upon us so that we are soaking in everything we've received. This is going to be a prophetic season starting now till when the Spirit of God tells us that's it. So we're taking all these words, we're taking all these spirit, these anointings, oh, God. Oh, Apostle Joan, the, the word of the Lord is in your mouth. And it's going to be shared. That, not just a preaching word, the prophetic word, prophecies. Hallelujah, that are so deep. The body of Christ needs that gift. The body of Christ needs that utterance. The body of Christ needs that utterance. It's going to be coming out in power this year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So, beloved, as we begin 2023, one of the most powerful ways to begin our new year is with fasting and prayer. And we have called a fast that will begin January 2nd, and it's a consecration. You can either go 21 days or just finish out the month and end January 30th. This is a twofold fast. The first portion of this fast is going to be the bridegroom fast. The bridegroom fast is shown for us in Mark's gospel, the second chapter. It's the context of the new wine. What's the bridegroom fast? The disciples of the Pharisees and John came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples not fast? And Jesus said, how can they fast when the bridegroom is still with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away and then they will fast. The bridegroom fast is a fast that senses longing for the bridegroom that it seems as if he's been taken away. It's a love fast. It's almost like being lovesick. When you're lovesick, you can't eat. You can't. Bible says, I'm sick of love in the Song of Solomon. The effects of longing for God and wanting revival and wanting the presence of God is what we're asking God for. We're praying in the kind of revival where Jesus is so felt, where Jesus is so known, where Jesus, Jesus is just, all you have to do is walk in the room and you just experience Jesus. Hello, are you with me? You don't really need a preacher, but a preacher will be there. But you really don't, you just, you already know from the presence of God. That's a bridegroom fast. And then also for our trip to Ethiopia and for many visions for Breath of the Spirit, many projects we have in the making, the projects of our school, our school of ministry that we are um, expanding after this pandemic. And we're so excited about it. And many of the other visions of the nations and besides that, uh, all so many projects with the poor and with works around the world. I'm not gonna share those projects with you. Just pick up one of those flyers and you'll see the projects. Tonight, we wanna honor the Lord with first fruits. You know, first fruits, let me just tell you, if you would open your Bible for a moment to the book of Genesis, just as quickly as possible, to the first chapter in the 11th verse is where you're going to see first fruits. Tonight, as we honor the Lord with the first fruits of our substance, the first fruits of our increase, the Bible says, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, 
This is the third day of creation. Can you say that with me? Third day of creation. The fourth day of creation was the day the sun and the moon were created. So how can the earth bring forth the herb-yielding seed without the sun? That's a question. The only way that's resolved is to see this in Hebrew, in the original language, and to understand it. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, not lawn. Grass, the herb-yielding seed. The herb-yielding seed translated from English to Hebrew is sprouted grain. There are five basic grains in the Bible. And the primary grain is wheat. And if you investigate botanically wheat, it's classified in the grass family. So when the Bible says, let the earth bring forth the grass, the sprouted grain is the way it would read in Hebrew. The sprouted grain, the Bible was ahead before any botanist classified wheat as a grass. See, just like you have different types of flowers, you have roses, you have magnolias, you have violets, but they're all flowers. They're just different species of flowers. Same thing with the grass family. Same thing with the grass family so that we understand the Bible classified the wheat before the sun was ever made, before the moon was ever made. God caused seed to come up from the earth. Why? Because it's to be known that it's not of this world. Seed, when you give it to God, is heavenly. It has no background in this earth, in the earth realm. It is not something secular. It has nothing to do with the world and God's provision for you is not from a secular source. God's provision for you is heavenly. Are you with me, saints? Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.